Welcome back to Radio Solo 100, powered by the Get Lost Podcast. Radio Solo 100 brings you inside Expedition Solo 100. It's a groundbreaking test of human endurance combined with cutting-edge psychological and climate research. This polar explorer, Mark Wood, sets off alone into the Arctic. I'm your host, Joe Sills. I'm a freelance writer for outlets around the globe. Today, Mark is here to talk about how you actually prepare for 100 days alone in the Canadian high Arctic. Mark, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. Uh, absolutely. We're going to have this talk many, many times, I think, over the next few months. Um, but last time we had you on, we sort of talked about the background of Expedition Solo 100, um, brief history of yourself as an explorer, and also why you chose this specific place in the world to shine a light on. But I think people might be interested in the actual preparation that goes on because uh, you've been gearing up for this for years. This this is by no means uh, a seat of your pants deal. It requires a lot of planning and a lot of logistics. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, sure. I, I think that if anybody was getting into exploration for the first time, to that, to to say that they were going to do a, a solar expedition over how many weeks or months, I think um, in the areas that I've worked in, I think would be foolhardy to tell you the truth. Um, I think experience is everything in this in this case, and getting to know who you are as a person and your limitations, uh, your mindset. Um, is part of it. Um, the, another part is is how you actually pack um, what you have in your sledges and how important it is to your everyday survival and energy. Um, and then there's, I mean, we're talking about preparation here, and then your your body and your mind in preparation for the journey itself. So there's the two areas that I'll pick on for you is the, um, I'm sure we'll talk about mindset a little bit later on, one of the podcasts, um, but I'll talk about kit and body, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah. let's talk about that because I think the mental aspect might be the most challenging of all, and it's certainly worthy of its own episode. Yeah, and I think with that, it'll also change later on as I get closer to the expedition and also through the expedition. I think if anybody's interested in mental strength and endurance and, and things like that of the mind, then th that's going to really play a big part. Um, so. For the equipment, it's all actually up. I said in my last podcast, I think, that all my equipment is is virtually in, in the Arctic at the moment. I say virtually because some of the clothing is still here. Um, but my sledges and food and snacks and uh, fuel canisters and cookers and all that sort of stuff is all up there. So I've been sort of looking and planning and preparing this for quite a few years yeah, it's um, a, a lot of gear, right? When, pe when you say sledges, I think that's an important piece of gear for people to visualize. Can you just describe what a sledge is? Sure. Well, well a lot of people call them pulks, and uh, pulks is, I think, is a Swedish name for them, a pulka. Um, um, but I just call them sledges because I like the Christmas effect of it. Um, <laughs> so they're Acapulca uh, sledges. They're quite they're designed. You get different types. I've got some Greenland ones in the shed in my house, which are, are flatter. Um, they're used for flatter terrain, like um, 
like Greenland or or like uh, Antarctica, they'd work out there. But if you're working in the north, you're dealing with high ridges and um, you're also, you know, lots of rubble and things like that and also open water. So these sledges are almost, if you look down the streamline of it, it's built like a, like a bullet almost mm-hmm. um, curved. So when it's moving along, it can actually bounce and it's designed to sort of bump its way through the ice quite smoothly. Yeah, and it's then more if you like get a to... little boat that you kind of tow behind you rather than the traditional um, Christmas sled with, with runners on the bottom uh, that you would Yeah, for sure. On. It's made of like a thermoplastic, reinforced thermoplastic, and uh, they're really lightweight, strong, uh, float. They float, um, especially if you put two, one next to each other and then put a ski, um, your skis either side and bind it up. You can have a little raft. Uh, if you want to do that. Um, and they float on the water. So if you're crossing, even just if it's thin ice and you manage to get yourself and your your body across, you can pull the sledge and it will bump into the water and bump out again. So it's it's designed for that, really, uh, for crossing. It's designed for the north, the, the Arctic Ocean. Um, they're quite expensive uh, bits of kit. Uh, because not everybody's buying them, the, the sort of, the, you know, there's, there's not many people who do this sort of stuff. So, um, and and I take two of them. The reason for two is that you could take one big long sledge, but if you come to any pressure ridges and you need to get over, rather than pull 180 kilos over one pressure ridge, you pull in half of that at a time, leaving the other one behind. So you've got a choice on on that. What is um, a, a pressure ridge? I think we'll talk more about it in depth when we talk about topography, but what is that? Well, it's it's when the ocean is moved in, underneath and it's, it's the currents have created this sort of um, mix up of ice which has been frozen and can stretch up to almost what, like waist height to your head height to a you know double-decker bus height, you know, at its extremes. So it's... Um, do I have to explain to all the listeners what a double-decker bus is now? Yeah, I do know this one. <laughs> double-decker bus is, is like when you're uh, in London uh, in the big red buses, or if you've seen Harry Potter, the, the night bus. That's it. That's it. We're, we're straight on to Harry Potter. That's good. I've seen, um, I've seen that one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, the, 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 they're a great design. And the thing about them and the thing about all of my equipment is I believe in it. And I know it's going to work. Um, and I know it will be sustained for that hundred days, which is good. So every bit of my kit is actually, it, it works for me. And um, something might, this might be a little bit controversial, but I don't really have a kit sponsor. And the reason for that is when I go and look for sponsorship, I, I add on what I need for kit for the sponsorship. And then I go out and buy the kit that I need. And that prevents me from having to wear the same logos all the way through the kit. Mm-hmm. of the same company because you know the base layers are from a certain company and the mid layers are from another company and the jacket windproof jacket etc and i can mix and match to my own body heat um my own body size etc and what i've used on ice so it gives me free range for that talk um, about like actually getting your gear to resolute bay i mean it's a lot of <laughs> that's food. an adventure it's, in itself yeah a whole lot uh, of supplies I, and you just did this so what does that look like yeah um well wh- why i did it this year was because i knew it was stressful um and 
to do that next year, as well as the mental stress of what I'm about to do, would have been an absolute nightmare for me. So that's up there now, and I, I can relax, and I just have to grab my kit bag and then head up there uh, next year and, and prepare. So that's a good thing. It's a bit of stress off me. But I had like eight boxes of um, uh, freeze dried food from Expedition Foods, which I use all the time. It's good stuff. Um, so I had eight boxes of that. So you're talking a hundred, obviously a hundred hot evening meals. You're talking a hundred, uh, breakfasts and a hundred, uh, puddings. And I usually mix the puddings with the breakfast in the morning. Um, and then to add that up is about 3,000, three and a half thousand calories. So I need to reach up to about six and a half to seven and a half thousand calories really per day. So I started working with nutritionists. Um, and we brought together some really sort of groundbreaking nutrition bars and, and, um, drinks and things like that, which really boosted it up. And I worked with uh, a girl from Coventry university as well. This will be down on the website. People can look at it. I think we're going to talk about it in the podcast as well, but so all the food was well thought out. So I got that all together, all my, uh, kitchen equipment, as I call it. So I've got like uh, four cookers going up and I'll probably just take three with me to, uh, two as a backup and one that I'll use um, all the kitchen stuff like a board and a pot and I mean when you're working alone, alone there's not a lot of stuff you need to take up um, but it needs to be correct and um, yeah and, and you uh, still need even though you're alone you still need all of the supplies and then the calories for 100 days yeah for sure I mean you need to you know, a lot of people take like Mars bars or chocolate or whatever, and that will give you a, a nice, it would, they taste nice and it will give you a massive hit of sugar and then you'll have a down, a down period. So I needed to think about sustained protein um, um, and uh, good sugars and things like that, which would allow me to perform all day. Um, and when do I take it during the day? Because I've, in the past I've taken protein drinks a little bit later on the day and I haven't been able to sleep. So it's look, listening to your body and getting into the routine of what you're taking during the day. It's, it, it's almost, well, it is definitely what the sports instructors say, say, you know, ex regular exercise, fresh air, regular eating, you know, healthy foods. That's what I'll be doing. I'm on a, like a hundred day detox, you know, exercise <laughs> like an so. extreme this is like something uh tom cruise would pay millions of dollars to go do yes yeah bless him yeah i'll probably bump into him knowing him so um yeah so well, i mean but, uh, there was you, that one question... time you bumped into a wedding up there by accident so oh i i bumped into a few yeah the, the wedding was I, I arrived at the north pole north geographic pole on my own i did the last two degree to the north pole and um, when you arrive at the North Pole, you expect to see nothing like a cold moon, uh, completely isolated from the rest of the planet. Um, but when I arrived, there was actually a wedding going on. And um, my, I think the best explorer, polar explorer on the planet, Paul Gausland, he was getting married at the North Pole, and I gate crashed his wedding at the North Pole. <laughs> I mean, so, are you sure you weren't just hallucinating? Like, has that really happened? Uh, I think they were thinking the same thing. They looked, they double looked at me. I got in a wedding photograph. I had some food off the buffet table and, you know, and um, they, they then said to me, oh, you, do you want to come back in a helicopter and 
I just did the South Pole a few months before, then I did the North Pole, and it was a really hard trip, and I said no to them. I refused it, and then I spent two days sat at the North Pole. Now, that's the privilege I see is that, you know, 7.5 billion people on the planet, and I was sat alone at the North Pole for 48 hours um, just on my own, having completed these two awesome journeys, and that's the satisfaction I had out of that expedition. In that moment, does all the preparation add up and you feel like it was worth it to to get there? Because this isn't the first time, as you said, you've been to the North Pole. This is just the first time that anyone has ever spent that long alone in the high Arctic. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it, it, it is, it is worth it. When people see on the news, people reaching Everest or, doing an expedition or crossing a desert or whatever, that's just part of it. That's almost like the end of it because that's where the news is for everybody. But this has been six years since I I reached the North Pole in 2016 with two really good guys and we filmed it. And that was the beginning of the documentary leading up to Solo 100 where we've we've shot the film in Africa and Alaska and on Everest. And, you know, this, this story that we're now talking about is six years old already. And six years of mental preparation, uh, me packing my my sledges in my head nearly every single night, wake up, waking up in the morning and feeling like I'm step, stepping off that plane into the Arctic for my first day of 100. You know, it's constantly living with me all this time. And I think I'm in fear of the expedition. And I think because I feel so passionate about it, I'm not saying succeed here, but it will give me the best chance of progressing and doing the and giving my best on the expedition. And I think that's that's the uh, yeah that, that that's the sort of inner strength that I have, mental and physical strength for it. Mark, as we wind down on this gear section of Radio Solo 100, um, what are the little odds and ends that you pack that? are the things you really look forward to in your kit, the little secret things that keep you going? Uh, I'll tell you what, Joe, I'm, I'm the most boring guy. I, I really want to be exciting for your podcast. I really do. But, you know, um, I take, I, I'm a, you know, I'm a bit of a jokey guy and everything, but I take everything I do operationally completely serious. And um, if I take something on ice, which isn't, shouldn't be there it doesn't have a use doesn't have a function um then it 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 weighs a ton in my mind so a few years back this is a terrible thing to say but a school asked me to take a little teddy bear with them they called it an adventure bear or something on this solo expedition i was doing and i said no i should have said yes but i said no because that bear had no function (laughs) i mean the function and and it would have weighed a lot in my head, you know. So it's it. I don't have anything like that as such. I take music with me, of course, and I t- and we, we've been talking about listening to other other podcasts and things like that. So I suppose that's a luxury. But when it comes down to photographs of families or or books or anything like that, I just don't or or special treats of food. I'm just terrible at that. I just don't do it. I just immerse myself in the whole journey instead. And it's, um, yeah. I think it speaks to like how seriously you really have to take it because it is a matter of survival out there. Although I would argue that you could use the teddy bear to distract a polar bear. Yeah. 
I mean, you say you say that a, a few years back, my friend Mark Kelly was confronted by a bear by his tent, and he came outside the tent, and he didn't have a gun or anything with him, and he had got took off his glove, and he flew it through his glove to the side, and it distracted the bear, which enabled him then to go around and and scare the bear off. So it's not a stupid thing you're saying, you know, for once, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that's it for this edition of Radio Solo 100. We keep it short and sweet. Um, on the next show, we're going to talk about the team. Uh, it's more than just Mark out there. Uh, and we're going to get to know uh, a few of the, the faces and the names that you're going to hear about over the next few months. Mark, uh, thanks again for joining us today. You're welcome, Joe.